ladies and gentlemen, to close out the 10th anniversary of the Queen's Baseball Convention, we got the one, the only, Jake Brown and Nelson Figueroa! Amazing, but true! Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. Ooh. Keep it going. Keep it going. Ooh. Ooh. Welcome. I haven't done that in a while. To Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. We have Andrew Hartz, producer over here. We have intern Mason Verdicchio. Shout out to the Queens Baseball Convention. Keith, Ashley Benda, the New York Post. Shout out to the Four Points, Sheridan Flushing. Tip your uh, bell towels. Bell tower. This is my co-host. He pitched two seasons for the Mets, nine seasons in the big leagues. Brooklyn native. Give it up. For Figgy Nelson Figueroa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I come in weighing 240, 6'3. From a story of Queens these days. Oof. Have made my way around Trumbull, Connecticut, Little Neck, and North Carolina. I am the pod father, Jake Brown. Give it up for me. Thank you, thank you. Tip your bartenders. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for sticking around. If you have, uh, you're probably insane like we are, and but we are Mets fans. You hear this. We are all insane people, right, Figgy? Oh, absolutely. Came early, leave late, that's what we do. The ones here since 10 a.m., give it, give it up for God them. God bless you. I said, God that's a work day. You are like, you're working. Like, <laughs> they should be getting paid for that long a day, but you guys did a great job. Great panels, Mets pod, everyone. Uh, great job by John as moderator. We are having a blast here, and you know, not a ton to get into, but there's always stuff to get into here in Metsland with the winter meetings a few days away, Figgy. Um, but I got to say, so we are Amazing But True, New York Post, fourth season of the podcast. We've had everyone from Mike Piazza to David Wright to Doc Gooden to Daryl Strawberry, every Met legend we've had on the show, um, and Howie Rose, friend of the program. Oh, yeah. We've had everyone A to Z, so I suggest you guys subscribe wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the New York Post Sports YouTube page and follow at Amazing But True, follow at Figgy and Why. Follow at Jake Brown Radio. And Figgy still is on TV. A lot of people today have said, I miss you on SNY. 
He is on Picks 11 every weekday, 7 to 7.30, with Mark Melusis. Yep. So he does exist. This is not an AI. He is a human. We don't like the other Yeah, that's not very nice. Uh, and, I, and I run all the New York. <laughs> that's not very nice. But it's true. Uh, and it, <laughs> I do all the New York Post Sports podcasts. You can listen to Gangs All Here if you're a Jets fan, where I commiserate about the terrible football team that they are, the New York Jets. But we are here to talk about the Mets who have just signed Andre Scrum, by the way. Andre oh my Scrum. God. Breaking news World Series champion. They got him too? Fans. They got a Scrum. Andre Scrum. He is not Andre 3000, he is Andre 0000. Uh, Andre Scrum has signed a Mets minor league deal. Hasn't pitched in a few years. There's your breaking news. Call me Jeff Passan. Uh, who is next? Is the question. Uh, Jeff Passan has a better set of hair than I do, unfortunately. Mine better set me. of hair. But, you know, we're talking this week winter meetings, and everyone's talking about the Japanese pitchers as, you know, that's been the talk of the day. Yamamoto, uh, will it be Otani? Uh, who do they end up signing? In my mind, Figgy, it's a lock that the Mets are getting Yamamoto, and here's why. I think having Kodai Senga there, having a, his buddy there with them, a Japanese pitcher, I think he's wanted to be on the New York market. What New York brings to him, the Japanese community, the Asian community here in Queens is huge. I think there's no shot they get Otani. Um, you know, maybe they get Imanaga, but I think Yamamoto, you know, we talked with our boy Joe DeMeo, we think it's gonna be mid-December. If it happens, yeah. it's gonna be a few weeks because he's got Zoom meetings, he's got in-person meetings, so it's gonna be a while. Mets fans gotta be patient. There's no rush, but at the same time, hearing that they've pulled out of the Otani sweepstakes, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I think the Japanese are very hush-hush about the things that they wanna do. They've even told the teams, don't post about our meetings. Don't post that we're meeting with you guys or what the offers could be. They want to be very behind the scenes. Listen, Steve Cohen and the Mets have been used over the past two seasons to bring up the prices for free agents. We've seen a lot of people come, a lot of people go. And all we've seen is a lot of frustration because these guys leave to other, venue, uh, other teams and they got better deals because they said that, well, the Mets are willing to pay us this number. So I think this might be a little reverse psychology. Maybe they're saying that they're out on Otani. Otani's going to get offers from a, probably about four or five teams that can actually afford him. And then they'll come back to the Mets and say, can you top that? And you think Steve Cohen's going to say, no, we're out. We're out. We've been out since December. That's not going to happen. So I don't think they're truly out on Otani. Now, when it comes to Yamamoto, seems to be a perfect fit. Seems to be a perfect marriage. And how often has that worked out for the Mets? Almost never, right? So you want to see um, maybe, you know, we, we're talking about getting past Christmas and seeing if he's a possibility. I think he is. I truly think he is. I think he's a, a, a phenomenal talent. He's only 5'10". That's the, been the knock on him is he's a smaller pitcher, a la uh, Marcus Stroman. Uh, but he throws 98 miles an hour, five other plus pitches, and everybody that has faced him has said this guy's the real deal. So that, having said that, and he's 25 years old, depends now on the money. They're talking 200 million plus. There's not a lot of teams that can afford that or want to do that, but we know that the Mets can't afford it, and they look like they're willing to be the first team to pony up an offer to him, being that Senga's his agent, and they've had good relations with Senga, of course, and all his success. So I think Yamamoto is a more likely candidate, but I'm still not out on Otani. And pitching is the name of the game for this Mets offseason. Yes. You gotta talk about a bullpen. 
Like, unfortunately, we're going to have to hear Drew Smith's name again, which makes no. me throw up. No. It makes me vomit. Drew Smith is just terrible. I'm sorry to give you guys nightmares for saying his name, but he's going to be on the roster. And, like, you have to realize that he's still there, but they have Brooks Raley, they have Edwin Diaz. You heard the trumpets. He's coming back. But you still got to revamp that bullpen. You're hoping on guys like Bryce Montez to Oka to come back from an injury. Mm -hmm. Has great stuff. But who knows with the injury, if he comes back, okay. They don't have a lot of – Phil Bickford showed he had good stuff, but yep. still he's a middle middle you know, middle relief kind of guy. He's not a setup man. He's not a seventh-inning guy. He's a fifth-inning guy when your starter couldn't get through the fifth. So you're talking about a team that needs a couple starting pitchers. They got one of Luis Severino we'll talk about in a minute. They still need to get another ace. We mentioned to get Yamamoto. My guy is Eduardo Rodriguez. I want a little E-Rod in NYC because he's a lefty. You don't have that. Outside of Jose Quintana. Now you bring in two lefties, you got three righties, and you got a perfect mix of righty to lefty in the rotation. And Eros coming off a great year, and he did it with a bad team. Now you come with a good team who might give him some run support. Erod could be, you know, this guy's won 18, 20 games before. He could win 18, 20 games and be a kind of under the radar signing here in the offseason. That would be my completion. Yamamoto, uh, Erod, Senga, Quintana, Severino would be my starting rotation. Not bad, not bad, but I think you're still always clamoring for something more, right? And there's not a lot of, of starting pitchers out there that can help. Blake Snell is a name, of course, and some people question whether he could play in New York. Maybe he can handle the fans. He can handle, you know, just the New York atmosphere. And can he go deep enough into games? Because he strikes out a lot of guys, but he's out of the, after the fifth inning. Yeah, but that's all of baseball now. All of baseball is doing that. So I'd rather have a guy who's really good at doing that, who's really uh, turned his, he turned his season around. He started off and he was struggling a little bit and it wasn't just him the team the Padres were struggling they weren't scoring this guy any runs he gave up I think it was something like five runs and six starts and he lost four of those five because team just wasn't scoring runs so I like Blake Snell I think Blake Snell is still a frontline starter he was an excellent starter with Tampa Bay he's an excellent start turned into an excellent starter winning the Cy Young of course with San Diego now also a very smart guy like you hear him on some of these broadcasts they talk to him he's a genius I well, I mean, self-proclaimed genius, but at the same time, this guy knows himself. He knows how to, you know, get outs. He, he's very confident, so you like that about him. Um, talking about that bullpen, yeah, the, last year what we saw was this revolving door of six-year free agents and guys who have never really done it at the major league level. And when Edwin Diaz went down, they never addressed that issue, okay? And I get it. What they were hoping was that's kind of like an excuse built in, right? We don't have our closer. Only problem is Robertson showed up and decided to be do his best Edwin Diaz impression for the first half of the season. Guy had a 1.7 ERA, and you weren't even expecting him to be a closer. So having that he did that for the first two months, and they still didn't go out and get viable arms that could help the bullpen and lengthen that bullpen, we didn't see, we wound up seeing Adovino going in so many games in a row, and what did we learn about Adovino? Can't hold runners on. You can't trust him in the eighth inning, especially when you're only up one run. As soon as a guy gets on, you're in trouble. This guy's stealing second, stealing third, if not being balked over. So I think there's a lot to do with that, that uh, relieving core. Um, Rayleigh, I, I, I thought they fantastic. I like Rayleigh. I th I'm glad they brought him back. I thought he it was fantastic. It's a no-brainer. Not, it's not a ton of money, too. I think it was like $6 million. Six that he and a half getting. million. Yeah, yeah, six and a half million. So that's a no-brainer to bring him back. But I still think at the same time, you're looking for these, we're not looking for these names that we've seen so far. The Joey Wendells of the world, the Scrubs, the... It, it, Literal and figurative I, Scrubs. I'm still waiting to see, this is David Stearns' team now. He's in charge, no GM, so it's his call on everything. And I haven't seen anything 
David Stern's like, what have we been waiting for? This is a guy who's now the president of baseball operations that you didn't have a, play, a president of baseball operations for two years because you were waiting for this guy. And nothing yet. I get it. Well, the winter meeting. I mean, what's the nothing's been done, Figgy? It's been You're Sonny right. Gray. Like you got to be okay. Patient. But Sunny Gray is better than Scrubs. Oh, I mean, no and one else's name. Who else has signed? No one's signing. Okay. Wait till this week. Right. This is the week. If he doesn't do anything this week, I if, you can. If the world him. isn't set on fire this week, then you start saying, <laughs> "What be. are we doing?" Right. So I want him going through like the Joker in Batman. Remember when he just walked through the hospital and he's blowing everything up? That's what I want to see in the winter meetings. He's just walking through signing you, I'm signing you, I'm signing you. And that's what you, you know he has the power to do this. But he's got to put together a bullpen where there's no question marks, right? It can't be a, can these guys get it done? We talked about Brigham ad nauseum early in the season, right? Brigham was yeah. doing great in, in April. And what did I say? He hasn't been tested. He hasn't been put in a sixth inning situation or holding a lead. Then when they started putting him in those and you're like, oh my God, He's starting to falter. He's starting to tire. He had thrown more games in the first two months of the season than he did in his whole career leading up to that. That can't happen for a team that has aspirations of going deep into the postseason. Um, newsflash, Braves aren't going anywhere. Newsflash, the Phillies aren't going anywhere. Newsflash, Miami Marlins just jumped you in the division by making the playoffs. So when we sit back here and we're like, oh, they're just a few pieces away. No, they're not. They're oh, really not. Well, that's why these signings are important. Now, listen, Scrub hasn't pitched in a few years, and Kyle Crick. Neither have I. Kyle, well, I didn't get a phone call. You, no, you pitched last year. What do you mean? Exactly. You, you My resume is to be better. Was that last year? Last year. Yeah. 2022? 2022. You're still feeling the effects of that. Uh, seven in, how many pitches did you throw that day? 119. 119. You can't pay a guy to throw 119. Was, it's more than any starter did this year for the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> Tell that to the Elias Sports Bureau. They don't know that one. Um, Kyle Crick has 45 innings last for you. But this is a team that needs depth from A to Z. Yes. We saw nobody come in and step in for this team when guys went down. You know, you had the great stories that came in later in the DJ Stewart. Right. And buying his diapers, and that was an incredible story. I don't know how he still hasn't got a pamper sponsorship. <laughs> That's insane to me. But, like, you need depth. And I think he's addressing that now when staying quiet under the radar. And you're going to see the moves. Cooper Hummel. What do you know about Cooper Hummel? Anything? I don't even know how to spell Cooper Hummel. Do you know Tyler Heine, man? Listen, I'm seeing a trend with these names. Austin Adams? Still. Are you familiar with his work? Nothing. Does nothing for me. Now he's taking a shot at these guys. And the other shot he took was the the big money one. One year, 13 million, Luis Severino. Let's talk about that because he's a piece of the rotation. You know, whether you like the money, whether you don't. This is a guy who has been hurt. He's coming off the worst year of his career. But has potential. At one point, he was 19 and 8, Figgy, in 2018. Now, I get it. That's five, six years ago. He's pitched in New York. He's had success in New York. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a bad idea to get him on one year. I know it's a lot of money, but that's what starters, that's what they get. That's what a mid to back end starter gets. Jose Quintana got 12, 13 million a year. He's getting 13 million. I think you're hoping he turns it around. And, you know, with the Mets' luck, that seems like it could be like the Giants when they had the even year win the World Series. Yeah. Two years ago, Mets hitters great. Last year, Mets hitters terrible. This year, Mets hitters might be great. Could so be. maybe Severino terrible last year, good this year. And I like that he's been under that New York pressure. Yankee fans, you go 0 for 3 on opening day, you're booed out of the state. <laughs> City Field, you walk, you get a walk in your first game, you're in the Hall of Fame. So it's a different level here with the Mets. And I think Severino has the potential of a nice 15 win, you know, three, five year right kind of season. Let's not get crazy with 15 wins. And I'll tell you why. You know how many people had over 10 wins in all of baseball last year? You know how many? Okay, take a wild guess how many pitchers had more than 10 wins. 
25? 35 total. You're saying 25, like that was a lot. Over 10 wins, not 20, 10 wins. I know, it's, Just it's 10 a different wins. era. Only 35 pitchers in all of baseball had over 10 wins. And that's the new baseball, right? So if that's the case, what I'm looking out of Severino, if you look at the numbers, and I'm not a huge like, oh, let's look at the analytics, but his fastball rate, he was sixth in fastball velocity, still in baseball last year. So that means he hasn't lost his fastball. What he has lost is a little bit of the life on his fastball, meaning he used to pitch high in the strike zone and get swings and misses or fly balls. That didn't happen last year because he's lost about an inch of movement. And so the ball's now coming back down into the zone and getting hit hard. They never told him that or expressed that to him and made the adjustment. Combine that with the fact that a lot of people know that he tips pitches. So that doesn't make it easy on yourself when you're telling the opponent what's coming. But for Severino, what I like is you've been talking about a lot of these pitchers have one good year and then you want to crown them the best pitcher in baseball because they have one good year. Severino had one bad year. doesn't make him the worst pitcher in baseball. So if, I don't care about the money. Does anybody out here care about $13 million? Does it bother you guys? It, 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 right. It doesn't I think bother. I owe Sally May $13 million. <laughs> It doesn't bother anybody about the money. What I like about it is take the one bad year out. Even with the one bad year, he's got a 3.39 ERA. There's not a lot of starters in baseball that can say that. Okay? So I get it. He had some issues last year, and he never got to get right. And it was just a pounding after pounding. They even tried to take him out of the rotation, and what happened? Guy got hurt. Oh, now he's back in. And he just never got right. I suspect that in this whole offseason, he's going to be one of those guys down at the pitching lab. The lab. Taking him to the lab. The Hefner. The Jeremy Hugh Hefner lab. (laughs) So he is a guy, again, it's not like Syndergaard, who went from 98 miles an hour to 92 miles an hour. And you're saying, oh, maybe he can find that old flint. No, there's no finding it. It's not coming back. With Severino, the 98-mile-an-hour fastball, 96 to 98 is still there. So I think tweaking some of his mechanics, getting him to stop tipping, you're going to see a different Severino. And a one-year deal is never a bad thing. So it's not like they locked him up to a five-year deal. So I'll take it, especially a back end. Now, all of a sudden, Severino, instead of being the number two starter for the Yankees, is pretty much our number four or five. If he's the five, you're in good hands. Oh, like, you're that's in what good you're hoping for if you're going to sign a, a couple of front-line guys, right? And. I think one of the things that we have to focus on and talk about is, remember the whole, uh, we're not gonna compete in 2024? BS. Remember that that speech he gave to uh, Verlander and Scherzer? You know, we just don't see ourselves competing. And once they went away, we're gonna compete, we're gonna compete, we got all these young guys, we got everything we want. We have a president of baseball operations, we're gonna be just fine. I believe that, because they got rid of what they wanted to get rid of, they got back the prospects, I wasn't exactly thrilled by the trades, especially the Verlander trade, because all you got back was two outfielders for three years of a Cy Young caliber pitcher, and you're paying $54 million. So I think they could have thrown a couple of guys who actually throw the ball forward, and you could have said, at least we got some pitching out of it as well. But I think if you look at you know, what they're trying to do, and now that they have the depth of those young pieces, AA and AAA, I think it's 10 of their top 17 prospects are in AA or AAA. So that means they're just a phone call away from helping. Now, will they? And will you have to go to them? Hopefully not. But it gives you more confidence to see that those guys had some success down the stretch. And it's not, uh, you know, DJ Stewart out of nowhere to the rescue. 
Yeah, I think if the Mets aren't competing in 2024, it means you're seeing scrub. It means you're seeing crick pitching in big spots. And if that happens, we're all going to lose our collective minds, and the Mets are going to have retirement days for guys who weren't great. There's Nelson Figueroa retirement days coming. I'm sorry. If the, I'm sorry, bro. If, if, if you have a retirement ready. day next year, the Mets will finish in last place. I'm, I'm still sorry. available. Get a bobblehead, too. <laughs> Nelson Figueroa bobblehead day, September 28th. Come on out. There's football on. Aaron Rodgers is playing, but come on out. <laughs> well, hopefully Aaron That would be three games into the season. I don't know if he will yeah. be. Well, let's see. Listen, um, I'm excited to see what Stearns does because everyone raves about him, and I don't think you should overlook the Joey Wendells of the world. Luis Guillorme was what he was. I know some people liked him. He had a cool beard, whatever it was. He couldn't hit a lick. He, he was a singles hitter. Joey Wendell has been in the playoffs several times. He's been in a World Series. He can play multiple positions. I'm not saying he's a massive upgrade, but that's a 25th man on the roster that down the road can play a role, and that's not a move that should be overlooked because 1 through 26, 1 through 27 on doubleheaders, 1 through 40 when you go to guys when guys are hurt are essential for these championship teams. Look at the Ben Zobris mm -hmm. of the world. Those guys are essential, and I think Stearns has to address those if this team wants to have success next year and long-term, because we're like, yeah, the prospects are a phone call away. They could be bums. They could be the Fernando Martinez of the world. We're not sure wow, that Fernando these guys, Martinez. I'm sorry to, again, give you bad memories. We aren't sure that these top prospects are coming up here and going to be good. Now, I hope they are, and I, I love Ronnie Mauricio. I hope Mauricio gets a chance to win the starting job, but we're not sure these prospects come up and succeed. You're right. And uh, now we're talking prospects. And now if we're talking prospects, let's talk about San Diego. You didn't want to give up prospects San for Juan Diego. Soto? The Mets aren't getting Soto. I would love it. Why? It's not happening. Why? I just don't think they're in a position where they're like, we're going for a champion. They're going to try and win, of course. But they're not a championship team. They need too many pieces. I, listen, I agree. I think they but should get him. You got to live in a real life, not fantasy land. They're not getting it. still him. afford. So if I can't get Otani, right? But I can bring in Soto for some prospects because we just reloaded with a ton of prospects. Hey, take take three, four, five prospects. I don't really but care. But Cohen has said we've gone out and got these prospects, and we're not just going to trade them away. From and there's Juan no lock. Soto. But there's no lock that he signs here. There's there no lock no he's lock, here but, for long but term. That's fine. You, if you're going to be able to afford him and bring him here anyway, why wouldn't you have success with him one year and then bring him back? Listen, I agree with you, but you have to be a realist here. I am Do you actually realist. think the Mets are going to make an offer for trade for Juan Soto? You Absolutely are going to make an offer. All right. Why would you not? Your lips to God's ears, Vicky. There's very few teams that can afford a Juan Soto. You have to remember this guy's only 25 years old. He's already been a four-time silver slugger, a three-time all-star. How about and that argument that someone in the crowd just said, why not just wait and sign him as a free agent after next year? Oh, you can do that as well, but don't you need help? In the outfield as well, right now, you wouldn't want Juan Soto but playing. Why Mar mortgage the farm that you just got Watch for these forty million? If you're these, giving these up high level prospects, they just got. You just got nine. You just got ten prospects, right? You just got ten prospects. You wouldn't give up three of them. I mean, a few of them are in single A. Like we're not talking. Some of these guys are far from being ready. You wouldn't give up three of them. It took five guys to get him with three years on his contract. Soto's He's only got one left. So say if you got three. Say if you gave up three guys. We they were talking about it on, on picks. We were talking about it because they were saying, oh, they didn't want to give up Michael King in the deal. Are you kidding me? You don't want to give up Michael King for Juan Soto or Nestor? You wouldn't want to give up Nestor for Juan Soto? Take him. Take him, King, Queen, and Prince. Take them all. Oh. There is no way. Queen's Gambit. If you have a chance at Juan Soto, even if it's for a year, do you think Texas Rangers give a damn if it's for a year 
or for 10 years, there's no guarantee it's going to be, oh my God, we're signing up a 10-year deal and we're going to win the World Series for 10 years. There's no guarantee. But if you get him now and you have a chance to get him now, it doesn't make your team exponentially better. If the Mets get Juan Soto, I'll take you out for a steak dinner. How about that? You owe me about eight steak dinners. You owe me your life. You owe I pay your rent. How dare you? Um, listen, I agree. I just don't think it's a real world. I, I, I would I love Juan Soto. And listen, Juan Soto wants to be I mean, he said the subliminal messages all over he's Instagram, all over social media. He wants to be a Met. He always said it. But, you know, I can see the Yankees trading for him. Him with that right field porch is going to hit 60 homers. I mean, it, what, I don't want to see you him. You act like he can't hit home runs in any right field porch. He can, but, you know. So that doesn't matter. He'll That's hit him in the his, Cadillac Club. He'll hit me in the head while I'm stuffing decision. my face. It's not his It's the Padres' decision. So you're telling me that Michael King is... The thing that's going to turn the tide. Well, if you're the, the trade? if you're the Padres, too, do you want to trade him to a team that you might be in the wild card race with, or you trade him to the Yankees? Everybody's in the wild card race, though. But the Yankees are because they're in a different league. Correct, they're in a different league, but at some point you're going to have to play them, and then Juan Soto comes and bites you in the ass. It doesn't matter anymore. Right. That's something. Think about all the trades that we're seeing interdivision. We've never seen that before. Now we're seeing that happen all the time. Guy, if you look at the, the way that baseball's gone, winning back-to-back years has become nearly impossible, no matter how good your team is. Listen, we talked about the Braves, right? They're not going anywhere, but where have the Braves gone? First-round elimination the last two years after winning 100 games both times. Baseball is not easy. It's not something that's put on paper, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to work. $350 million, and that didn't work. Well, here's the reports that have been out there from Martino and whoever. Ah, uh, Martino. Who, whoever you want to trust. Uh, the puppets in the background. The Mets have not been engaged in trade talks for Juan Soto, Tyler Glass now, and, and just about uh, other player that would cost significant prospect capital. I think the Mets are making it clear they're not going to give him away, Figgy. Uh, so it's all our dreams to have Juan Soto, but it might just have to be 2025 and beyond. Yeah. And 2025, I think the Mets are going to gear it up for a championship run. And I hope it's next year. But it's going to be a, you know, an uphill battle next year to be a championship team. So to tell me this, you don't, think, you don't think the Baltimore Orioles are kicking themselves in the ass for not upgrading anybody throughout their whole season? They are, but like they're a smaller market team. They're a smaller market team, but they had all the resources to do it anyway, right? Because they didn't have anybody on their team. They had all guys under control, team control. So what did but they But their strategy do? worked because look at all the young players but they developed. Look at these young stars. I mean, a you first didn't round expect them to go as far as they did this year, did Why you? Why not? What's, what, Come on, after, you didn't expect after, that. What, are you kidding? After August, you didn't expect that? I'm saying before the season, you didn't expect no, the no, Orioles no. to do what they did. But that's why. That's put on paper. You're talking about the Orioles on paper. I'm talking about the Orioles as we got to All-Star break. You're like, holy shit, they caught up to Tampa Bay. Watch your language. Holy <laughs> Watch your language. They caught up to Tampa Bay. Nobody thought anybody was going to catch up to Tampa Bay. And they didn't only catch up to them. They ran right past them. Then they still had the trade deadline. And what did they do? They sat back and watched the rest of baseball fortify their teams, like the Texas Rangers. And now you're sitting back and going, man, if they only made a couple of trades, if they only got a couple of pieces, even a Tommy Pham would have been able to help them out. Right? All the pieces that the Mets gave up to all these teams, those teams all went to the playoffs. Great for the guys that got traded. But now you sit back and you say the Mets finished only five games back of 84 wins. Man, maybe they pulled the plug a little too early, don't you think? Yeah. I think there was a lot going on with this team from, from you know, the inside, the veterans, a lot of guys disagreeing with you each other. You mean somebody's a clubhouse cancer? Uh, 
listen, I love Sal, so I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take a dump all over my guy Sal Licata. Um, but yeah, guys didn't get along. I mean, that's a fact. I mean, it's not just like a, a thing to just say to say. They did not get along. And Tommy Pham said it. And you know, I produced the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Tommy Pham was on the podcast uh, last week or two weeks ago. And he said, in May, they were rolling out one group to BP. Every team he's ever played for in his yeah. career has rolled two or more. You could speak to this. Yes. You were a, a decent hitting pitcher. And you sometimes were out there for BP. Always. They rolled out one group in the second month of the season. There was some laziness and work ethic problems with this team. And that was that was a fact. Tommy Pham pointed it out. And I don't know if that's a buck thing. Maybe that was part of the managerial change. But this was a unit that didn't get it right. Whether it was work ethic, whether guys not getting along, something wasn't there. So while I agree with you, I was pissed when they traded everyone. I was like, well, there go the last two months. Like, you know, our friend Summer and Lakir, they got tickets. They're like, who the hell are we selling these to? We got to go. I hope it's a good promotion that day. It was a tough ticket to sell, all the season ticket holders. So I was mad that they did it, but something wasn't right. And Tommy Pham kind of called that out, that guys didn't work that hard. Well, he called that out. And listen, what baseball has turned into, to is very individualized. Every guy is a little bit different. Every guy needs to work in their own mode. So Tommy Pham has always been a grinder. A guy who's had to work hard to prove that he is, you know, a, a viable major league player. Here's a newsflash. Tommy Pham, since 2016, has played for seven teams. Seven teams. So you're saying but it's a Pham no, problem. But no, no, no. But he's not a bad player. Yeah. He's not a bad player. When you look at OPS over the last six years, he's top ten. You look at some of the other names, those guys are getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Tommy Pham isn't that guy, but his production is undeniable. What he has to do to stay at that level is different than what Brandon Nimmo has to do to stay at his level, which is different than what Pete Alonso has to do and different what Lindor has to do. Now, Lindor playing every single game the first half of the season, and there was no denying it, it wore on him a little bit. Mm -hmm. It wore on him a little bit, and that's because you didn't like the fact that if he wasn't playing, then you didn't feel like you the the shortstop play was going to be as good. You didn't. You felt like the lineup was going to suffer. It was just too much for him to be out of the lineup. So he's old school. He still wants to play every single day. That's not the new baseball. So they've got to find ways to get these guys to either buy in, or you just have to take it away from them and say this is our decision. You can't let some of the guys do it and some of the guys not do it. The work ethic part. I don't buy that because guys know what they need to do. Everybody's a little bit different, but they don't have team stretches anymore like they used to. They don't have team fundamentals anymore like they used to. They do. They work in individual groups. Hey, the starters today, we're going to go out there and do PFP. The relievers, you guys are going to go run. The, the outfielders, um, you know, you guys are going to bat first. The, uh, the catchers are going to go work on something. So they very specialized now. There's a coach for everything. Used to be, you know, the manager, pitching coach, hitting coach, bench coach. That's it. Now there's an assistant to the hitting coach. There's a strategist for the pitching coach. There is a assistant to the bullpen coach. So there's very an assistant to the chef. There's the, assistance uh, to everything, and that's that's where baseball has changed. And what you're looking at, think about football. This is why Craig Council used the Mets to get that number up. But genius, genius. <laughs> Got a lot of money though. Right. The highest paid manager in all of baseball. Again, what has he done? How many World Series? Good. But here's the problem. If you look at football, every single head coach is making about $10 million for a 17-game season. Every single head football coach has an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, running backs coach, a wide receivers coach, a defensive backs coach. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's not just on that one guy. 
it's his head that gets chopped off when things go wrong. But there's a whole staff and everything is very, very, very uh, specific. And in baseball, they're starting to do that as well. And it doesn't translate to old school guys who are just used to, hey, we all go out as a team. There's three groups of BP. And after you hit, you're going to go stand in the sun and shag. They're not doing that anymore. They're like, you hit your group and then go inside and get ready for the game. And, you know, some people see that as being lazy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You went the whole show so far without saying kinetic chain, so thank you. But you did say PFP, which to me is like profile picture. Pitchers Pitch- fielding practice. Pitchers fielding practice. There you go. There's baseball 101. <laughs> baseball for dummies here on Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast with New York Post. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa, Andrew Hart's up here, producer. At Amazing But True on Twitter, at Jake Brown Radio, at Figgy. And why you mentioned the staff? Well, they have a new man in charge, Ooh, in Mr. Charles. Mendoza, and I think it shouldn't be overlooked. And you could speak to this as a guy who played and had Spanish-speaking managers, at least in the minor leagues, not in the majors. Right? You didn't have one of the majors. No. I think that's essential in today's game with a lot of rosters, you know, half or a quarter or Latino players. I think that's very important in the game. Tell me how important that is for a guy like you who speaks a little Spanish. You have a lot played around guys who speak Spanish. How is that important? Well, one of the things when I was first coming up, John Gibbons, who's going to be the Mets bench coach, he was my manager. And um, Great move I, by the Mets, I'll, by the way. I'll never forget. We were standing there, and we're going over plays, and it was pickoff plays. And it was like, okay, play one, we're going to do this. Play two is going to be a flash. Play three is going to be a fake, and then the second base is going to come in. Play four. And all the Latin players are like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they go, okay, play two. And nobody moved. Okay, uh, play three. And we're waiting for a, 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 a flash. When he puts the glove out, then the other guy was supposed to come in. Nothing's happening. And he turns around, he's like, do you guys understand what I'm saying? And they go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So then I had to tell them in Spanish exactly what we're trying to do. Mira, numero uno, tenemos que hacer esto, tenemos que mover así. Excuse me? That's the part that nowadays it's different because they have translators for everything. So there's already been a translator in baseball for about the last six years. So it's not as essential, but it is very comforting for the Latin players to be able to be, hey, you know what, come, let's sit and have a conversation. And you know that the manager speaks your native language and he kind of will tell you that he has your back. You know, he understands what you're going through. Carlos Mendoza is a blank slate, right? I was down in fantasy camp, 24, former players, coaches, managers. I asked each one of them, anything on Mendoza? Silence. Nobody knows anything. And that's exactly the way that David Stearns wanted it. What did he say since day one? I want somebody who shares my vision and can grow with me. Well, he can't say, well, I like to manage this way because he's never done it before. He can't say, this is the way I like to run things because he's never done it before. So 
it's not a puppet situation. It's more so the new baseball is all the information that's being given. The lineups are being made and the manager is supposed to go out there and manage the game. It's how he manages the clubhouse. That's going to be the most important thing. It's how he manages the New York media. Because another thing, no one has ever heard him speak except until recently. So no one's ever even heard his voice. So the Yankees have always been very good with that, right? Remember when uh, Kevin Long came over from the Yankees? He was determined to be a rock star hitting coach that A-Rod loved. And he was giving interview after interview with the Mets. We finally heard him speak. As a Yankee, we never heard him. That's how the Yankees do things. So I think it's a situation where you wanted a blank slate, you wanted someone new, you wanted someone that can grow with you and listen to direction. This is his first job. He's gonna learn how to listen to direction and we have to see how he manages the players, the clubhouse, and the media. And uh, yeah, like what he said. Somebody translate that. Those like first time managers win, and, and Joe DeMeo pointed this out on Twitter yes. about look at the teams in the playoffs this year. Schneider, first time Blue Jays. Rocco Bedelli, first time 2019. Bruce Bruce she has been around forever. Yeah, but it was Kevin first time Cash in that team. Yeah, Brandon High, Tori Lavula, Craig Council, Skip Schumacher, Rob Thompson, Dave Roberts, Brian Sicker, all first time managers. So there's no reason he can't come here and grow and be good. And I think Gibbons, you could talk about him. You know him a little bit. Bringing him on board, you bring a guy like that, he's basically manager A, you know, 1A, 1B. He's on his side. I think that's essential for a coaching staff that maybe wasn't as good after Buck Showalter last year. Having a guy who's managed and has success. Listen, he took the Blue Jays to the ALCS after they were, you know, not a good franchise for a long time. And he brought them back to relevancy. So I think uh, having Gibbons there is going to be huge. Oh, it is going to be huge. I I love John Gibbons. He's one of my favorite baseball people. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. And I think one thing about him is, yes, he has all the credentials to be the manager. But at the same time, he realizes the situation and what they want to do. And he's going to be leaned upon heavily. Okay, Carlos Mendoza has watched a lot of baseball. He's watched Aaron Boone managing. Right. Now, what have we always said about Aaron Boone? You could probably get Alexa to do the same thing that Aaron Boone has done. Right. (laughs) Hey, uh, Alexa, what does the index card say in seventh inning with one guy on and uh, lefty up? Yeah, that's what we're doing. He's been very by the book, right? So you've never been there. The only thing that he did that made him stand out was argue with the umpires, right? That's, that's his shtick. That's, that's his Aaron Boone's thing. So he was the bench coach for that act for four years. And so you know he understands the game of baseball. He knows the nuances. He understands that you know, the cards and how they work. He knows all that stuff. But it does come to a feel from a manager who has done some things in his career that has you know a passion for the game still and especially the new york mets you got to realize john gibbons won a ring in 86 uh, because he got traded <laughs> his trade for gary carter was one of the things that led to the mets winning that world series and he got a ring still thanks john um he was a firm from a first rounder for the mets and his career was derailed by that knee injury um but he never held a grudge he was my first manager in pro ball it was his first time managing as well down in kingsport tennessee and we won a championship that year and he was just an amazing guy to learn from and, and see the game differently. And he's always been that way. I think, um, you know, if something was to happen, he'd be able to take the reins right over. But at the same time, you want a new manager having somebody in his camp that has that level of experience and that level of know-how. And also, listen, he's had to deal with, uh, you know, uh, different uh, Japanese pitchers, uh, you know, Mexican, Dominican, Puerto Rican. He has different cultures throughout baseball, and Gibbons has handled them all well. The only person he didn't handle too well was Ted Lilly, but I actually think he handled Ted Lilly pretty well down in the clubhouse after he gave him a little one-two. Do you remember that? 
Uh, explain. Ted Lilly was pissed off that he was pitching poorly, and Gibbons went to talk to him instead of sending out the pitching coach, and Lilly smacked the ball in his hand uh, and walked yeah. away, and he grabbed him by his shirt, yanked him back, put the ball back in his hand, and made him keep pitching. He continued to go on and get his butt kicked, and then he came out of the game after giving up like eight runs, and he was pissed off with Gibbons and wanted to fight him, so Gibbons chased him down into the clubhouse. We need more of that in the That's game. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody get their ass beat. Let's go. Well, it's just, it's, it's about respecting the game, and that's something that John Gibbons brings to the table. Good perspective there from someone in Kingsport. You know, he's from Montana. The Mets have Wyoming and Montana now. That's with, right. With uh, Brandon Nimmo and uh, John Midwest Gibbons. opening up. Yeah, how about that? We're worldwide, <laughs> international, Mr. 305. Um, the rest of the Mets offseason here, before we close up shop in a few minutes, outfield. Mm. Got to get an outfielder. You know, Randy Rosarina is a name that's come to. I think he would be perfect in don't New York. That. The energy, like, what do you think about the Mets potentially trading for him? I don't mind that at all. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to trade tr- uh, prospects? I thought you didn't want to give away. Well, prospects. maybe not high level, maybe mid level. The Rays turn, you know, Barney into a Cy Young winner. <laughs> so the Rays could turn anyone into a magician. This is true. So maybe they'll take, you know, one of our 25 catchers we have. Listen, Rosarina. Shortstops. We got a lot of shortstops. Parada, yeah, a lot of shortstops. Yeah, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that the Mets are rich in, and pitching isn't one of them, of course. And so, as an outfielder, if you get a Rosarina, I would love him. He's a tremendous upgrade to have. And you still got to remember, Marte was double groin surgery, got his neck slammed into the third week of the yeah, season. Was migraines, never right. The migraines, migraines vertigo, the groin, everything else scares me. Hopefully, he can come back and be more the player that we've seen him be uh, throughout his career. But again, if you can get a Rosarena, and then what are you going to do with Nima? I mean, um, with McNeil. Move McNeil back to second base. Yeah. And then who's going to play third? Mauricio could play third a Ken, little bit. Kenny, did you see him the other night? He went four for four at the plate in Dominican and also three errors at third base. That's fine. He's just testing the waters out there. <laughs> the games don't matter as much. It's fine. He let the errors out now. Oh, absolutely. Not Give in uh, April, May, June, July, August, Give him all the work he needs to get I mean, that done. The other options, there's a lot of good free agents like Jock Peterson. They're not going to get Bellinger. We know that. But Teoscar Hernandez is another name I like. Uh, I like him. Michael Brantley's a veteran. No. You're not a Michael Brantley guy? No, okay, no, Jorge Soler, if you want to power. Solaire is nice. I like Solaire. He can, he There's can, a lot of good names. If you don't make the magical trade for Juan Soto that you think the Mets are going to make. Do you really think that you can compare? It's not apples I and mean, oranges. Not, yeah. Those are both fruit. You're talking about apples and rocks, bro. Soto and, of and course. Josh Peterson. Hmm, let me think who I want to get. No. Oh, one's going to take a lot more. And the other thing is DH. J.D. Martinez, I've said on Amazing But True over and over. We said Please that Please give year. me J.D. Yeah. Martinez. $2 million. And every day, DH, he got 12 to 15, what, 15 million last year? He no. 30 homers? No, like, he didn't get 15 million. He didn't get a lot no, last year. No, he didn't get a lot. Of, he didn't? No, he didn't. Oh, are you agreeing with me? No, he did not get 15 million. You're confusing million. me right now. You're, he are you agreeing not. or disagreeing Mira, with me? Mira, señor, no cogió 15 million. No habla inglés. <laughs> he did uh, not get 15 million dollars. He got way less than that. Yeah, he got less. Thank you. Okay. Um, Harz, what was the exact number? Look up the exact number because I forget. But that is, was that ten? It's a bargain. Like that's that's Steve Cohen's ass wiping. That's his Charmin. That's his Scott. If you're a Scott, I'm a Charmin guy. It's on a roll. The ultra strong bathroom. That's his Charmin. The Golden Throne has that in the the bathroom. (laughs) He's wiping his ass with ten million. So give me JD Martinez. Yes. I, I'm in a cur- listen. I am in agreement with you on that one. Or we can have Vogel back for one point five. No! Boo! So this is one of the things I think that people 
Vogelback. The Buck Showalter thing, right? He gets ousted, and the whole season we had to watch Vogelback behind Pete Alonso. Ugh. That was not a Buck Showalter call. There is no way on God's green earth any baseball man is putting that as protection behind your number one hitter. Billy Epler, yeah. That's a Billy Epler thing. And Buck Showalter had to swallow that the whole year long. And all the different moves that you're looking at and you're saying, man, this team won 101 games. Buck Showalter didn't make a mistake last year. But there's a lot of things going wrong this year. And you thought that was all Buck Showalter's doing? No. Billy Epler got more power because of the success of the 101 win season. There was nobody above him. So they told him, you can do whatever you want to do. He fired 20 coaches down in the minor leagues when they were having some success in the minor leagues and brought in his own people and got a little power hungry by saying, Vogelback's my guy, right? He's going to be the protection for Pete Alonzo. And yet, no, everybody said, what are we doing? Why would you even pitch? I didn't understand why he even got a pitch thrown his way for two months, uh, Pete Alonzo. You just walk him and pitch to Vogelback and get out of the inning. But I digress. Buck Showalter's gone. I don't think that's going to be a problem moving forward. I think that, you know, you, what you're hoping is you have enough baseball people with baseball savvy. You have the front office who understands a little bit better. Don't get me wrong, Bill, David Stern's uh, traded for Vogelback twice. Um, <laughs> but he's not bringing him back for a third curtain call. So I think they're in good hands. I think there are a lot of moves. And I'm excited to see what this winter meeting brings. We saw pretty exciting winter meetings last year. So If I hear Vogelback one more time, I will punch you in the face on this stage. <laughs> like, I've had enough. And I'm a fat ass, so I, he's a fellow fat ass. I respect that he eats a lot, like I do. Um, but get him away from just the whole league. Like, how is he in the league? You know, he was Pete Alonso's drinking buddy. They'd be on the road drinking beers together. He was his guy. But no longer. Get him out of here. No more Daniel Vogelback. Let's give it up for that. No more Vogie. <laughs> All right, we'll close up shop. Now, if you listen to the show, we do the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy, which turns into the Jake Brown Hebrew Academy because I can't roll my R's. That's pretty bad. And everything sounds like Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. That even uh, sounds bad out of your mouth. <laughs> so I did have a bar mitzvah. Uh, by the way, the last episode we dropped, it was funny. So we did the Mendoza episode. My mom calls me in a frantic, like I was in an episode of like a, a Liam Neeson movie. Jake, are you Okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, I just listened to the podcast. It sounds like you were on speed. Are you on drugs? I think she had it on one and a half or 2.0 speed. And she thought I was like on crack. She, I, I thought I was about to get captured by someone. Nice. Um, so shout out to Mama Brown. Shout out to uh, Mama Brown. Mama Brown and Papa Brown. All right, so free agent. Do we want to do free? Do you know Do you know that one in Spanish? What do, you mean, do I know that one? Agente Libre. Oh, who? Agente Libre. Like natural libre, but agente? Yes. Agente libre. Agente libre. Libre meaning free. Agente, agent. Oh, that one's too easy. All right. New manager in honor of Mendoza. Nuevo dirigente. Nuevo dirigente. Say it again. Nuevo. Nuevo. Nuevo York. I know that one. Dirigente. Di la gente. No, dire. Die. Dire. Dire. Gente. See, that's the tongue. Oh, that all is hard. Wasn't a dire gente. Dire gente. Yes. All right. What else? What other ones do we got? Here? I, I don't know. Anybody? Let's get one from the crowd. Give us a word. If you know it, that would be tough in Spanish. Go. Yeah. Yeah, classic. I, I like that guy. Do you even know Parm? Pollo Parmesana. It's the same thing like Pollo? Pollo. Pollo. No, 
I like the polo faginas, please. <laughs> polo parmigiano. Pollo. P-O, it's like a P-O-Y-O. Like yo-yo, pollo. Thank pollo you. Pollo parmigiana. I like that. Parmigiana. Pollo. That's the Italian version of a... This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Everyone just wants to go home now. All right, that's, we'll close on that. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Keith Blackneck, QBC. Thanks to the Four Points, Sheridan Flushing. Thanks up, to Andrew Hart. Thanks to Mason Verdicchio. Thanks to Ashley Bennett, New York Post. Give it up for Nelson Figueroa. Thank you, thank you. Give it up for your bald king, Jake Brown. Thank that's you, thank you. Give it up for you, guys. Great job thank staying you. out today. Episode when the Mets sign Yamamoto coming up in the next few weeks or whatever big move they make. Check out Amazing But True and thanks for coming. Happy holidays, everybody. Thank you, guys. Let's go, Mets.